Everyone can hear me, I assume. I tend to talk really loud, so if it's too loud, someone can just signal to me that this is a bit much. Um, I'm going to start by telling you all how I named my company Neon Cardigan, because someone always asks, and it's kind of a fun story. So I also own a marketing agency called The Eddy. And as part of my services with the Eddy, we brand companies, we do naming conventions, and we um, give brands life through visuals, right? So I had a babysitting app brand a few years ago who came to me and needed to rebrand. They needed a new name. And I really spent time thinking about like, what do you have to, what do you have to embody to be like a babysitter that a kid's gonna love and also a parent is gonna trust? And I came to the table with a lot of really cool names, but my favorite was Neon Cardigan. And I was like, there is no way they're not gonna pick this name because it's like vivacious and loud and exciting and so trustworthy and enough Mr. Rogers in there, like they're gonna have to pick it. And it was the first one they like tore out of the book and were like, and okay, like I hope you have some good ideas. And I was like, oh my God, when they leave, I'm going to buy that domain name because it's excellent and then one day I'm going to do something with it. And when I turned, hold on, when I started um, thinking about ways that I could touch more human beings instead of doing bigger, bigger marketing projects, I really wanted to work with human beings, I decided I was going to incorporate this coaching element and I thought, well, it's got to have its own name, it's not just a service and I was going to call it something else water related. And it just never flowed. And so someone said, well, what domains do you own? And I was like, oh, my God, like Neon Cardigan. And same thing. I have to hold space for people. And I have to be like, especially in the space of being a brand coach, which I'll explain a little bit. You know, I have to like convince people that I know what's going on with brand and I know how to make something look really fun and engaging. And I also have to be trustworthy. I have to hold space for people. And in the coaching capacity, I have to be really trustworthy. So there's a little bit of loud and a little bit of thoughtful, and that's Neon Cardigan. So branding and business coach, that's what I do. I work with clients one-on-one -on -one here in Atlanta, have an office in Inman Park, and I uh, work with remote clients via web and phone um, conferencing. I also work with teams, talks like this, um, holding space for office retreats, out of off-site meetings, things like that. And um, I like to delineate the reason why I incorporated teamwork, because really my intention was to work with human beings one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I incorporated teamwork because it's lucrative and it pays a lot of my bills. And it means that I can still work with human beings one-on-one -on -one at rates like at any level. And I mean that any level. I do um, free coaching in DMs on Instagram on Fridays. Even if I forget to post about it, you can reach out to me with a question and I'll give you professional advice. I do um, $30 an hour open office hours once a month, probably more moving forward, and that is like a drop-in. You don't even have to sign up. If you have questions about your business, you need advice, or a decision you're trying to make with regard to professionalism, or anything, tends to be personal too, um, I hold space for that. So that's 30 bucks an hour, and then, you know, rates uh, from $110 an hour to $80 an hour, depending on how many sessions you buy at a time for one-on-one -on -one work in my office as well. So it's just really important to me that I can work with people at any level. Uh, part of why I wanted to talk about power and flow and ease, these are all just words that I've put together, right? They're all words that we can say, if, um, if I had more power, if I had more flow, and if I had more ease in life, generally speaking, that sounds good, right? It could be supportive. Here are how I think about those words. The word power, first of all, requires the most unlearning. I think it sits kind of at the apex uh, as an anchor for our lives. And if we are in our power, we are much better positioned to make thoughtful decisions for ourselves, professionally and personally. 
part of my problem with power and some of the unlearning I've had to do has to do with what I think of. When I think of power, I'm thinking the patriarchy, the 1%, white privilege, a world full of leaders who are oppressing people who are just regular, and ego. And um, so part of what I'm gonna talk about is balancing that and finding an authentic and divine space of power that can really serve you well. My equation for that, a little smaller equation, hi, good morning, is a balance of ego and empathy. Ego, in a sense, can be incredibly supportive. It means self-confidence. It's the reason I can stand up here and do however I'm gonna do today. It's self-love. Ego, in a good way, supports us a lot. But we have to balance that. And part of the reason why is that ego is really a heavy emotion. Ego can fill a day like in the densest way possible and hold us back because we're not making decisions based on fear, that's ego. Greed, total ego. Guilt, also ego. So even passive, low vibration energies that happen in our lives, that's all ego. And we have to be able to check that and keep it in balance. My method for balancing my ego not only am I aware of it and I think of it consciously and I'm trying to incorporate it in really careful ways, but my tool is empathy, 100% across the board. How do I balance dense emotion like ego and showing up in the world in a really conscious way? Empathy. Empathy is the best double-edged sword there is. It's the best tool for slicing through BS that there is. Empathy helps us connect to other people. Anybody know like the Brene Brown cartoons, follow her work, right? Okay, so if you don't know that, you can go look it up on YouTube. But empathy, she says, you know, is not, it's not about um, judgment. There's no seeing where someone is and saying, oh, that's real bad. I'm real sorry that's happening. It's holding space and saying, if there's anything I can do. And whether I can relate or not, I'm here. It's building a bridge between you and another person. So empathy, when I say double-edged sword, I mean like, Use one edge of that sword to build a bridge between you and other people in your day-to-day -day lives when you encounter someone who's either challenging you or feeling low themselves. You can use empathy to connect and to say, you've got space here. I'm holding space for you, and I'm going to be careful with your feelings. The other way empathy is really important, and I teach people this all the time with regards to professional careers, it helps us neutralize a hierarchy. If we've got a boss who may or may not be very checked in or very aware of how their energies affect other people, or we've got an imbalance in any of the relationships in our lives, empathy can help us go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That person just has all their own limiting beliefs too. That person is human also. They may be my boss, but like it helps you. In fact, the, the anecdote here for me is that like a leader who brought his ish to work used to affect me in such a way that I'd say, oh, I must have done something really wrong here. I must have done something that caused his bad attitude, his um, extreme reactions. But when I started employing empathy, it really helped me realize that he's just showing up with whatever's going on in his life too. Like an actual example, his cat peed on his bed one morning. I learned that like at the end of the day that I'd spent stewing in a corner thinking, what have I done? What have I done? Like, what? It was a cat? Like, it had nothing to do with me. So let's think about empathy as a way to neutralize a hierarchy and a way to level set and acknowledge that everyone is just here doing what they're doing. And we can break down some of the rungs that we put between ourselves and other people that separate us. 
So power and divine power might be, we'd say, the culmination of a really healthy amount of ego, which has to be low and small and measured and thoughtful, and a crap ton of empathy because it both affects how we interact and support other people and how we view ourselves as we compare ourselves to everyone around us. That is how I think about power. So when we're talking about this equation that looks really simple on paper, there's that long drawn out ex explanation of what I mean by power, okay? Any questions about power specifically in this model or the way I'm thinking of it? Nope, all right, gonna move right on. Flow. I'm sorry to say that flow sounds deceptively simple. Flow seems like a word that is in itself easy. And by my definition, it's anything but. Flow is all of the work that we do to make sure that energy can move through and around us and that we can interact with our world consciously, checked in, being really present. I think of that kind of flow as infiltrating three parts of our lives. One is, good morning, body. Number two is soul. And number three is spaces. Let's we're gonna talk about body first. And uh, in part because like everyone understands what it might mean to take care of your bodies. Not because we're necessarily good at it, but because we all have an awareness of like, okay, sure, for some people it's nutrition and diet, it might be physical activity, it might be um, massage and real self-care like a bubble bath. Whatever it is for you that works, that's the thing that you need to support yourself with. I really wanna make clear that like, I don't necessarily mean diet and exercise. I really mean that when we talk to our bodies, we know things, we have information about what works for us and what doesn't. This body does not do well with gluten. I still eat gluten sometimes, but I know that, and so when I'm really serving my body and I'm in flow because I'm checked in and I'm, I'm checking my body off the list, right? I'm taking good care and I'm doing less gluten for this body. Also, because I talk to my body, I can say, body, do we do ice cream today? And body can say like, mm-hmm, you can have ice cream today. And other times it's like, it's really not gonna land well, you gonna choose that? And I'm like, oh, I really want it, I'm gonna have it anyway. But at least at that in that place, it's a conscious choice. And I can say, like, we interacted, I integrated with my body, instead of just, like, moving through life and making choices without checking in. Um, as I talk about bodies, too, I want to make clear that um, they are only half of how I think of our human existence. The other half of that, for me, is soul. So quick sidebar, what is soul? And how does soul manifest for a human being that's just trying to get through this life, this, this time around, this iteration? Soul to me is everything outside of my container. So it's every ounce of energy between me and wherever my spirit team lies. It's everything between me and you physically. And all of that needs to be loved on and cared for as well. I need to be in flow for my spirit. Part of why that's challenging for people is that we literally, the day humans are born, we begin to like undo connection to spirit. I have an almost four-year-old who's really sensitive and like psychic told me before she was born she's going to see spirits in the corner, right? So no doubt like as a human being, I'm imposing that on her in a lot of ways. I have to be really careful about that kind of information. But I've also done a lot of education. This is part of my soul education. This is how I serve my child in her soul space. 
How do you not undo that connection to spirit? How do we raise children that are connected forever so no one has to be 20, 30, 60, 70 going, What's, what am I here for? There's got to be more than just this body, right? So by my model, like just think about the fact that you might be half body and half soul and ask yourself if you're really serving both of those pieces of you equally. Do you integrate them each day? Do you introduce them to one another? If you go get a massage, what have you done for your soul? Could we argue that a massage serves the soul too? Sure, but you know what I'm saying. What have you done to kind of bridge the gap between um, a normal day and really being thoughtful and careful and settling in and making sure there's flow for your soul? A lot of times that really is just continued ed, it's energy work, it's um, practice holding space for some sort of ritual in your day. Same way I'm saying body flow is not all about diet and nutrition like society might say or in a blanket statement. Soul is not all about, or rather practice is not all about I'm gonna light a candle and meditate for an hour. Practice in the space of creating flow in your soul is whatever your soul needs. I have a really liquid connection to spirit part of why I can do what I do. And so sometimes I get really lazy about practice because I can always just sort of go, ah, excuse me, and I'm gonna just like check in with my spirit team a little bit. That's me being lazy and not carving out time to actually connect with my version of spirit and how I need that bridge to be gapped. So I would just invite you to think about what's gonna serve you really well for your body and for your soul Drop into the things that are pinging right now. These are probably good examples for me. This is the kind of thing I could do for my body. This is the kind of work I could do for my soul. I could set my daily practice. And if I do it one day a week, if I check it off the list more often than not, that is massive win. And when you don't do it, there's still grace and fluid and conscious choice. But be aware that it's intense self-work that you can be doing in more ways than one. Body, spirit, soul. The third space we want to talk about flow specific is spaces. I use that word because it feels broad enough because I'm talking about, yes, how it feels to be in my home. I'm talking about, yes, what it feels like in my office. But I'm also talking about seen and unseen input, inputs excuse me, from friends that might be a little bit draining, from other relationships or spaces that I go that I know doesn't serve my highest and greatest good. And think about cleaning house, right, in a much broader way, that we gotta keep our spaces tidy. We have to make sure that we are looking around us and consciously choosing every input that we have, and that is the way that we're tidying our space and making sure that there's flow in our spaces. When we're doing that kind of work and when we are Sometimes breaking up with things that are hard to break up with, that doesn't have to be a person, but sometimes it is. When we are separating ourselves from the things that don't serve us well, and we are leaning further into the things that do serve us, that's where flow comes from. And in my world, that's body, soul, and space. And in your world, it might be an array of other means. It might be a smaller subset of categories, but what are you doing active work, what are you doing to open the channel in your body and in your soul and in your space to make sure that energy is flowing so that you can step into the divine, the balanced power we're talking about and have more ease in your life.
All right, so we've talked a little bit about power and keeping that balanced. It's ego and it's a massive amount of empathy, thoughtful ego and a massive amount of empathy. And we've talked about clearing spaces and making sure that the energy is flowing. And that to me is really the bulk of the work. If you're doing all of that, if you're digging down in all three rungs of your, uh, all three facets of your life like that, the energy is going to flow and you're going to be better positioned to make decisions for yourself, to grow things that you see in your dreams. You're going to be more empowered to step into goodness when it's presenting itself to you. And that balance is going to create the kinds of dreams that you might manifest that are going to serve you for the rest of your life. That's my simple equation, right? Balance plus flow equals ease. The ease part really is the end of that part of the conversation. The ease part just is. The ease is the natural byproduct of doing all that other really hard work. And that's a lot of what I help people do one-on-one, -on -one, situationally. We're looking at what's going on in other people's lives and we apply these methods to keep us open and in flow. Power plus flow equals ease. So next I want to talk about a couple of different ways to accomplish that. I'm going to pause. Any questions before I move on? Any questions for how I've defined some of these ideas, these words? Yes. Um, say that in another way. Sure, sure. So the question is, can I give some other examples of inputs that might affect our space as we're trying to clear that out? Okay. Um, input of space might be actually for me like what it feels like in my home and the aesthetic that I create. It matters a lot for me. And when things are like physically untidy, I feel that rippling through my life, right? Untidiness and messiness doesn't affect everybody. So it's, this is not a judgment of how tidy things are for you unless it matters for you. So in a very tangible way, it's like, what does it feel like to be in my home? What does it feel like to be in my office in this room right now? Grace and Chris did a beautiful job of setting the vibe and setting the tone in here this morning. And I can guarantee that everybody feels that known or unknown or aware or unaware rather. There's a lot happening here that's supporting a really solid energy and a solid vibration. If they hadn't been here an hour and a half before you and they hadn't done all of that work, it would not feel like this in this room. So that is input. You've put yourself in this space in a really thoughtful way. Here you are with a beautiful space and a high vibe space that's cultivating goodness. This is a version of being in flow because you've chosen this today and here you are with all the good vibes. The unseen ways that I, that I hinted at are the people that energy suck, the people that pull us down, the jobs that don't support our highest and best good. Now, no doubt we have to choose things in our lives situationally, and there is circumstance that means I feel like I don't have a lot of conscious choice in choosing this job or that position or in this season, I'm just kind of going to be where I am. But being aware of that and setting the intention that you want to make sure there's enough energy flow that new things come means we might look at a job that doesn't serve us well, even if we feel completely locked in it, and we might think about what else is possible. 
part of what I'm going to talk about next is tools to integrate some of this. And a great one for that is neutral thinking. So we'll get there in a minute. But think about the people and the places and all the energies. How about this? Even spaces that you're going to go into that you're never going to be able to control the vibe of. Walking through the rest of Pond City Market is a great example, right? There's so much happening here. There are so many energies and people and a lot of ish, I would imagine, that you're, if you're susceptible to that, it's going to permeate your field unless you, for example, have tools like setting your bubble and making sure that you're protected, setting intention that like all of the bad stuff I encounter today is not going to affect me. I choose that. I demand that I am protected in this space. That matters passively kind of at a mall, and it matters much more intensely and actively when we're in like a toxic work environment, for example. So, clean house, air quotes there, so to speak, in your spaces, and make sure everything's tidy. Any other questions about that? Does that help? Okay, good. Anything else? Anyone have any applicable spaces, body, mind, or body, soul, space, that feels relevant, worth sharing? Examples? No? Yes. Sharing a house with a roommate. So you can't control that person's energy. You can't control what they bring into your space. So boundaries, setting really strong intentions for how you live in your space. Delineating whether it's like physically or energetically what is yours and what is theirs. And understanding that, again, we'll talk about neutral thinking and it's probably something you should put on your list to research further. You're, gonna, you're assigning charge to everything that happens in that space. Your own interpretation of what it feels like and how it moves through your body is your choice. I can choose that this affects me negatively. I can choose that it rolls. That's sort of like when we're doing it casually and passively, it happens, it happens all the time. And we're like, so weird, that didn't bother me this time. But last time, man, I was so mad about that, right? So being more active and engaged in those conscious choices to say like, I decide what affects me today. And I decide if I'm like seeing this person right where they are with love and having some grace and also speaking up for myself and having boundaries, real boundaries. But in as much as like, let's say, let's just assume for the sake of this talk that you've exhausted all of the input you can give to that person. It's about your own energetic boundaries and deciding what's gonna, what's gonna permeate your field and what's not. And then doing a lot of work, digging into making that real for yourself. S saying those things, be having a practice that supports those things and making it an incorporated part of your life. That's protecting you. Anyone else? Yes. Sure, or an example that might be relevant. Okay. Logic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So we're talking about career decisions here and making choices based on logic versus emotion or heart, which um, is a really hard thing to do. And it's a hard place to get to. And when you do, it should really be celebrated. So congratulations for just saying, 
I'm digging in and I'm making a, a thoughtful choice here for reasons other than emotion. Um, I think that's a great example. You are being aware, you are checking in and being attuned with what's happening in your soul space and what's happening in your physical space with work decisions. And no doubt that is supporting you and uh, helping you keep a healthy balance and power and stay in your flow. Now, you know, that, that ease culmination for me means that like in your example, I would like to think that like, even if you chose a decision that feels a little less exciting, let's say, and it's a little more practical, by my method of thinking and the way I employ these tools in my life, that means that like, there will be ease in that situation because of how thoughtful you were about making the decision. It doesn't mean it's still, it, there's no way to like transcend it being the less fun option, for example, but there will be ease in support of the way that you've shown up for yourself and chosen thoughtful, thoughtful path over what might have been more an impulsive path or a selfish path even. Sure. Um, I mean, without knowing a lot of what's going on, we're talking about like whether or not that means there's um, more option gonna, to present itself later or other things that might take you where, you know, to the more exciting space, for example. Um, without knowing more about your situation, I just say like, yes, absolutely, you should trust that, you know? Did you make really thoughtful choice and dig into your options from a really um, grounded place and awareness? And if you did, no doubt that goodness follows that, you know? No doubt that you are supported and your highest and greatest good is being led to the next part of your journey. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Questions or examples? Okay. So for the people in this room, I've given you a daily protocols worksheet. And if you're listening later, uh, you can email me and I'll send you a PDF of the same. I'm gonna go over some of these tools and I'm also gonna go over another little list I have of some tips and tricks to help you embody uh, these ideas on a daily basis. Uh, which means I'm gonna need to look at it. <laughs> daily protocols. Um, seeking ease, we just talked a lot about that. So that's at the top here. And when you look at this checklist format on the back, it's like, I'd like for you to think every day about a way that you did such. So any ounce of whatever you learned here from me today, how can you employ that moving forward? And can you cite an example every day of engaging that equation towards ease? Another one much more tangible, stretch your bodies. Stretch your bodies, move your bodies. Um, it's one of the best things you can do for your body and uh, it really means slowing down, right? Most of the time, I'm a mother of two. I'm awake, I'm, I'm waking up by some unnatural, disturbing means most of the time. And, um, <laughs> and so my inclination is to like open the eyes, make sure they're living, put the feet on the floor, run, and my day is off. And here we go. Um, I have to really pause and I have to force myself to stretch and stay, stand where I stand at the edge of my bed and go, okay, I'm gonna stretch my body because if I don't, I'm gonna be three hours from now going like, why are my hands so tense? Why is this shoulder so much higher? And it, I don't say these things because like I'm an expert at this and like how evolved am I that I get to stand here having stretched. I probably stretched for like 30 seconds this morning and I thought to myself, I better stretch today because I'm about to tell people they're supposed to stretch. Like that's how hard it is for me still. 
but it is important. So stretch. And it's on the checklist, right? If I can just say that, like, yes, I stretched, then I feel like you get to check that box. Also, having been someone who's done a lot of worksheets and a lot of daily protocols by different healers and different means, sometimes I'm like, this is unattainable. I cannot do all of these things in every day. So I really think of this as, like, Grace for yourself when you can't check something off the list, and it's really just like a passive tool. If you can remember three of these, however many there are, 10 things a day, and you can integrate them to your day, you're probably better off than you were without the checklist. That's really all I care about, so stretching. Um, your daily protocols, uh, in this sense, I mean like your vitamins, your medications, whatever it is you need to stay supported and balanced. Like as someone who has to take iron every day, that is the easiest thing to forget because there's no part of my day that's going to be out of balance if I don't take an iron pill. But long-term effects in this body mean I have to take iron every day. So just remembering to do that, again, having a box to check can be supportive. Leading with logic, which is so interesting you said that specific word to me. Logic is like the counter to emotion and heart. And a lot of times we make decisions out of emotional means that don't serve our highest and greatest good. So thinking logically, really deciding like, and this is another ego um, exercise, you know, like what in this reaction process is ego driven? And what can I say like, well, undeniably this part is true. Like, I'm a co-parent. I co-parent with another person stewarding a life of a human being. And that is, like, the hardest thing to do consciously without emotion interjecting. So I, that's a great example of how I constantly have to step back and go, oh, my gosh. Like, my emotion says do X, Y, and Z, but logic really only gives me permission to negotiate this way. And it really diffuses situations that I think with two less conscious parents could be much hairier, a lot hairier. Leading with logic. Um, sit less. She's my favorite little illustration I've done ever. Um, sit less. Again, this is not judgment about physical activity or exercising for any amount of time. But for me, for example, I have a very sedentary job if I choose. I'm sitting, I'm talking to people, I'm at my desk. Most of us, I would imagine, have a work environment that is somewhat sedentary. And I make myself get up throughout the day and I walk around. I've had apps from time to time. I try to do every 90 minutes. I'm not hitting that mark most of the time, but I try to move and I have an awareness that like checking my body and being in flow in my body in part for me is sitting less. So define it how you see fit, but it usually means standing up and then doing something else. Talk to your water. To um, ground and talking to your water, first I'll say drink more of it. Even if you think, I couldn't possibly, I'm the most water drinker that there's ever been drinking water in the space of water. Drink more water. Um, because most of us are not that person. Most of us don't already do a great job of it, and we need more. Water literally affects the, like, the blood amount. Like the amount of blood we have in our body maps back to how well hydrated we are. And if you think about it like that, and you're like, oh, shit, I really want to make sure I have plenty of blood... I should be drinking enough water to support that mechanism. Um, and then also talk to your water. I'm sure um, most of you, if you haven't, you should Google it, have heard you know, studies of the plant that gets talked to, the water that gets talked to versus the plant that doesn't. And how the plant that's like engaged with and I'm interacting with its energy field thrives. And the plant that I'm not caring for, even if I'm watering them the exact same amount, is not thriving. It's because there is energy between me and that thing that transcends the actual nutrients I'm giving it, 
That is our energy field. And when you talk to your water, I've done exercises like this for extended amounts of time where I would have one glass of water, like ideally I'd be drinking a couple of these big old bottles I've got here a day, but I have one special vessel that I go to and I fill it with water and it's not more than eight ounces and I say, this water is to hydrate my brain. Or if I'm feeling like gut pains or wherever, a thing in my shoulder, doesn't matter, I say this water is to serve that pain in my shoulder. This water is gonna do this job. I set that intention and to me, that is isness. It just is. After that, I've set the intention, it works in my body the way I say it does and the perception and the, the exercise of that is validated over and over and over again in my life. So that to me is talking to your water. Uh, protect your bubble, we've talked a little bit about that. Setting intentions that are going to serve you well, whether it's um, I'm not gonna be affected by X, Y, or Z, or when I go to this, um, you know, there are a couple of restaurants here in Atlanta where I go and I'm always like, the energy is so super high, people are talking, the music is loud, Everything's over the top. I've seen like four people pass out in, in this place. And I'm like, every time I go there, it stresses me out. Like my empathy button is pushed and I think I cannot feel all of the feels happening here and, and still enjoy my dinner and be present with my friends. So I do a lot of protecting my bubble when I go to specific restaurants. Again, that's just an example, but it's, you know, you know where you go that's gonna affect you the most negatively or a chore that you might have to do on any given day or in any given week or as part of your job or whatever. Set intentions and set limitations for how you can be affected by those things and see what comes in that space. It's pretty supportive. Choose your words. This one can be really hard for people, but it's another way I say we have to just slow down and be a little more checked in because uh, words matter a lot. And not only do the words coming out of our mouth carry a charge and we set intention, aware or unaware, we set intention when they fly out of our mouths, but then they're perceived and interpreted by someone who we cannot control and we don't know what they're showing up with and the tools that they have to say, I imagine you didn't mean that exactly the way it sounded, right? Because they're just, they're just they're the recipient, they're receiving it and you can't control how that goes. So choose your words really wisely so that you can say, I may need to step away for a moment and when I come back, we're gonna be so much more productive than if I just mouthed off right now and said the words I'm thinking because they may not be the most supportive, again, for the highest and greatest good of the situation. Choose your words. That's that checklist. I think there's like 11 days here on the back where you might engage with these kinds of tools and see how many you can check off the list in a week and a half or so. Again, there is no judgment for how successful or not you are able to be with this kind of list. It is intended to be like one more tool, same thing with everything I'm saying today, one more tool that you put in your arsenal that when you get out of alignment, if you're not checked in all the time, you can pull from and say, oh, I remember that one thing I heard that time. I should, I should start doing that. I'm gonna do that for a couple of days and just see how things go. That's how I think about metaphysical tools and tricks and ways to keep myself balanced. I just don't do them religiously in a way that I can stand here and say, when you figure it out, you'll just know, right? It's just never like that for anyone. So all of these tricks from any Sunday school and any other inputs that you receive, just think of them as like a tool that you can call on when you feel out of step. So that is my daily protocols checklist. Any questions about that?
Okay, excellent. The next one I'm going to talk about is superpowers. Superpowers in the context of how I think of them um, are the things that come so naturally to each individual in this room that you can say with confidence like, most people I know don't do this as well as I do. Or it may be that an awareness comes when someone says, do you realize that like that email is impeccable? No one else writes emails like that. That's one of my superpowers. I'm a really great email writer. Um, and so they can be really abstract like that, but it's really important that we're aware of things that we're innately good at because we can employ them in our careers, in our lives, in a really active way. And they're transformative. And they don't always map to like a work skill or something you can put on your resume, except that they do, because I talk with people about it all the time. We do a superpowers exercise and we say, what are the things you're innately good at? And the lists are off the charts, like all kinds of things. And sometimes it's a talent and you think, well, that tongue roll thing really isn't <laughs> applicable on a resume. But um, writing good emails, we can figure out, like, even though that's not conventionally something I'd put on a resume, we can figure out a way to make sure that that and the uh, power that comes with that is incorporated into how I present myself for a new job or in an interview, whatever. So what are your superpowers? Ask your peers. Ask the people in your family, what do you think my superpowers are? The things that, like, you see in me that I do better than anyone else you know. And also, if you steward small people, if you have children around you at all, think about those things and them and make sure you're cultivating a culture of youth that is aware of and employing their superpowers so that they, again, don't have to be 20, 30, 60, 70 and going, should I be aware of a little bit more than just, like, what's happening here? So that's superpowers. And I invite you to think on that um, really actively after this. Think about what those things are. Think about whether you are empowered to use those tools in your day, in your career, in your home. Um, think about ways those skills are taken advantage of. Try to keep all of that in balance. Being aware of superpowers means I can control how much or little I employ them. And it really can be the cornerstone of making more thoughtful, more activated choices in your life. Any questions about superpowers? How to know yours? Okay. Um, yeses and nos. This is a trick I use um, in integrating body and soul for me. And I do this a lot with clients. We talk about um, understanding our bodies giving us signals, right? So a very extreme example of this is we all say from time to time, my gut just tells me that is not, that's not going to be the right choice, right? It's a gut thing. I just know. So that's a no. Or it's a yes, depending on the charge that comes with it, right? It's an awareness of what the decision should be. But when you get really playful and really... Um, well-versed at doing this, or at asking your body for like a yes or a no. It's pretty fun, and it's something that can kind of um, support day-to-day -day decisions and bigger ones as well. So I want everyone to kind of sit in their chair, sit wherever you are, and think about things like, is my name Sarah? And you'll ask yourself, is your name Sarah? Most of you are not named Sarah, and that's gonna give you a tiny little no charge. Is my hair brown? Yes, my hair is brown. Okay, I feel like that's a yes. I know what a yes feels like in my body. For me, obvious no's are like, is my hair purple? Nope. If I'm really checked in, which I 
my, mind you, I barely am right now because I'm focused on all of you. But if I'm really checked in, a no in my body feels a little bit like a record scratch. That's a no for me. And over time, I have honed that skill, and I use it every single day without question. That's one I can say I do all the time. And then I can begin to understand that, that energy that my body gives me back, and I go like, oh, this feels like a yes, this feels like a no. I can now ask bigger questions like, is this a job I should take? Is this a choice I should make? Much bigger decision-making tool. I find that to be very, very supportive. Yeses and nos. Neutral thinking is the second to last one I want to talk about. And that is, you know, I touched on it already, but the fact that uh, there is no charge until we assign charge. If we imagine that everything is neutral and we're going about our day in, a, in such a way that we get to choose how we are affected by things, then I assign all the positive charge and I assign all the negative charge and I am therefore much more in charge of how I'm moving throughout the world. So neutral thinking. I bet you can all imagine a scenario with a roommate, with a peer, with a colleague, with a boss, however, that lands where you could show up in a space of neutrality and see what happens. What if I am just gonna like wipe the slate clean with this person this morning and I'm gonna choose consciously, again, I'm slowing down and I'm deciding how things are gonna land on me. That's neutral thinking and it's a really supportive tool. Infinite blogs and books and researchers talk about neutral thinking, so I encourage you to look it up if it's resonating. My last tip is to stay in question. I live my life and I believe that when we ask questions, the cosmos literally rearrange to bring us the answers. So when we're in a season of passivity, is that a word? Where we are trucking along in a season, uh, we don't, we're not slowing down, we are just on autopilot, we do what we do, we're not checking in with nary a part of ourselves. You wanna, you wanna put the brakes on and see what happens if you check in in a different way, you start asking questions. And you say, what would happen if I turned left instead of turning right? And I say that to clients all the time, like when you leave this room and when you all leave this parking lot, wherever you found a spot. How are you gonna get out of it? How are you gonna go home? Most of us are gonna go home like the way we always go home, because that's the way home. But I really encourage you to sit at that light or at that intersection and say, what would happen if I took a left or a right? What would happen if I moseyed home? You know, again, if you integrate a tool like a yes and a no and uh, staying in question, your body's gonna begin to be like, oh snap, they're really paying attention, right? Your spirit is gonna land like, oh my God, oh my God. Tell her if she turns right, there's some real magic there. So you listen to your body and you say, what happens if I go this way? You make a choice that maybe is unusual for you and see what comes. Staying in the question in that sense is really fun and playful. And another way is just saying like, it, it helps us check and balance, like if I'm trying to make a complicated decision for work or for my family, and I am consciously asking, I am calling in support to help answer a question, I am just better suited to see like what, what, what's gonna happen if I do it this way versus that way. It's slowing down and it's being aware that conscious choice, mine, because I'm the only one that gets to choose these things for me, both how I react to things and how I am proactive in my life, 
that kind of conscious choice and staying in the question supports me all the time in making sure that I'm navigating life like the way I should be. I am better supported when I ask questions. What happens if I do this thing? What happens if I don't do this thing? What would be possible if I accepted right this minute that I have no idea what's possible? Big old lofty, airy questions like that, super transformative. And then also left or right, very transformative. So think about staying in the question in your day to day and how that might be supportive. All right, let's see, we have like 12 minutes left. We've talked about superpowers and what it means to understand your strengths that are unlike anyone else's. The idea there is that you employ them in a way that's gonna support you and move you forward in life. That also helps like delineate uh, capacities at home. Who should be doing this thing? Who should be doing that thing? Think about superpowers. Interact with your whole family and engage. Like, oh, this person's superpower is gonna enable them to do that thing with more ease. That's their chore. This is my thing. I own all of this. This is in my space. Helps in all ways. Yeses and nos. Go home and play with that tool. Is my hair red? Yes, my hair is red. Know what that feels like in my body and what it feels like when I get a no and then apply that to bigger decision-making uh, opportunities. Neutral thinking. Go back out into the world understanding that if someone spills a drink in front of you, you get to decide whether that's problematic for you or not. That is, that is a tool that's gonna just support you in an incredible way, um, thinking about how you want things to go. How do you want this to go? I say that a lot. Stay in the question and your daily protocols. Think about that checklist, whether you are actively putting pen to paper and going through those exercises each day or not, make yourself a little more aware of a couple of those tools and see what changes in your life. Understanding that power in a really checked in conscious way where I'm balancing a healthy amount of ego and I'm employing an insane amount of empathy and being in flow in my body and in my soul and in my spaces is gonna make sure that all the energy is able to move around and I've checked in, I at least am aware that I should be checking in with these facets of my life. When I'm in balance and I'm in flow, my life is genuinely full of ease. And that is what I came here to say. Thank you all so much for listening. It means a lot to me, not only that you took an hour out of your day almost to come sit with me, but also that you're gonna take something, some part of what I said today, and you're gonna take it to someone else. And I really invite you to do that in a conscious way and help me make sure that we are changing the world like that because that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.